Welcome back to PeterPowers.com's podcast. A few extra bucks are a few extra takes on Tampa Bay Buccaneers, but this is a big show. You know why? It's prediction time. We're going to predict the Bucks record. We're going to predict the Super Bowl. We're also going to predict a wild card. What will happen in the NFL this season? Nobody's predicting. So the prediction show we're very excited about. We also have to say we're excited about our title sponsors, House of Brews and Lutes and Sea Dog Brewing Company in Clearwater and their Treasure Island location on the beach. Great brews, great food, great service. Uh, Bringing my producer, Justin Thomas. Uh, we have a lot of sound from both the Saints and the Bucks to preview this in our prediction show. Justin, do you have your predictions ready? I do. You do, okay. Well, we have Roy Cummings as well, our Buccaneer Insider. I know, Roy, you have your predictions ready. But first off, i got to ask you, you know, you've covered a lot of teams over the years. And to me, it's always hard to gauge a football team sometimes in the preseason and what's going to happen in terms of how they open. Um, do you ever have a good gauge? Because to me, I mean, every team's different. I'm, you've covered a lot of different Buccaneer teams over the years, but that has to be kind of hard. You know what to expect to some degree, but then you don't know what to expect too. Yeah, it is. It's hard to know. I mean, you know, you're so locked in watching, you know, the team that you cover all every day and, you know, you can watch them and, and as, as objective as you want to be, you know, you see some, you see a lot of good things. You see some things that bother you, but, you know, you kind of get the feeling like, you know, hey, why can't this team, you know, win 10 or 11 games? Um, at least those, that's the feeling I've often had watching the Bucks. is I think they've really underachieved a lot of times. And, uh, you know, the teams, uh, obviously, uh, some of them overachieved, but it's the funny thing about preseason and, and the and training camp is, you know, it's it's all done in such a vacuum that, it's really hard to tell what you've really got because you never really see anybody go at live game speed um, until they play that first game. So no matter what they look like in training camp, no matter how talented they are on paper, no matter what um, you see on uh, in the preseason games, you just never know about a football team until you get to the regular season. And that's when it all happens because you know what? It's, it's kind of like, you know, that deer in the headlights thing. Some guys, they get out there for, for the real deal and <laughs> it just didn't the same. And then it, it affects them and other guys, uh, they, they handle it perfectly, but it's, it's always different. Well, we're going to have a lot of reaction from Bucks head coach, Dirk Cutter. We're going to talk to Buccaneer offensive coordinator, Todd Munkin. And he was asked who will be calling plates this season. We'll get his reaction to that. We're also going to go in the other locker room and talk to Drew Brees and get his thoughts on playing the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Nobody has beaten the Buccaneers more in their history than quarterback Drew Brees. Nobody's thrown more touchdown passes than Drew Brees. He's also played them the most, so he's made the most of his opportunities against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But let's begin with the quarterback, Ryan Fitzpatrick. If you check out our video wrap on PeterPirates.com, we talked to Dirk Cutter and we talked to Chris Godwin about their faith in Ryan Fitzpatrick. They're saying all the right things. But what does Ryan Fitzpatrick think the veteran that he is about being the opening day starter for your Tampa Bay Buccaneers. It's a cool thing as a quarterback to be the opening day starter. I mean, it's a neat feeling being out there and, uh, you know, with just with the everybody with the excitement and the butterflies and the crowd into it. And uh, so that, that's a cool thing for me that I'll be looking forward to. Ryan Fitzpatrick has a lot of weapons, Roy Cummings. We've talked about him for months now. The wide receivers maybe the best collection on one team in the NFL. Then he has the tight ends and O.J. Howard and Cameron Brait. Ryan Fitzpatrick talks about 
the potential of this Bucks offense? It's yet to be determined. You know, the group that we have this year, we got to go out there and do it. But the potential is there. Uh, you know, the talent is there in all position groups. And uh, but potential only goes so far. You know, so we've got to got to go out there and prove it. But uh, you know, so far the way those guys, especially in that receiver room, the way that they've worked this off season, and the attitude they bring to practice every day, the skill sets, the different varying skill sets that we have in that room are are really impressive. So. Um, you know, does that mean a whole lot? No, if we don't produce, you know, so we've got to be able to, I've got to be able to spread it out to those guys and let them do what they're, what they're good at. And, um, you know, hopefully the production comes. Roy, you hear a lot of uh, optimism before the first game. Well, that sounds like a veteran quarterback. He's not getting high or low, is he? No. And it's one of the things I really like about Ryan Fitzpatrick and why I think he's good for this football team uh, in general. He's good for James Winston. He's good for the team. Uh, he's good for the fan base. The reason I say it is he's a guy who understands that this is one game, take it one play at a time, one, one, you know, one series at a time, one quarter at a time. Don't go in there thinking this, you know, ABC is going to happen. Go in there prepared for A, B or C to happen and, you know, be prepared to, to adjust accordingly. He's just a smart, savvy player. And, um, you know, I think when you, when you hear him talk like that, you can't help but think that, you know, all that manifests itself on game day on the field when things are developing and happening around him, good or bad. Um, and I think we've seen it. Uh, we saw it last year. And look, there's no guarantee he's going to go out there and light it up, and there's certainly no guarantee he's going to go out there and, and be terrible, too. Um, he's probably going to be somewhere in the middle. But I think one of the good things about it is this is a guy who knows what to expect in every situation, knows how to react in every situation, and, a, and more than anything, knows what his strengths and weaknesses are, knows what he can do, what he can't do, what he should do, what he shouldn't do. And when he's out there on the field, if the coach is lined up with that and the play, uh, uh, the, the, the game plan is lined up with that, he should be successful. Well, let's talk about the uh, play calling. That's been uh, a big subject for debate for a long time, actually a few months now for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Dirk Cutter, of course, called the plays his first two seasons as head coach, but Todd Munkin has called in this preseason with great success. Today, offensive coordinator Todd Munkin was asked, who's going to call the plays in the regular season? You guys have asked that a bunch. Of, I'm going to refer that to Coach Cutter. That's a, that's a question you guys have asked him, so I'll, I'll refer that to him. Roy, I think Munkin's going to call the plays, and here's why. If, if he wasn't going to call them, he would defer. I mean, I think that's the big change and maybe attitude of this franchise this offseason. Maybe, you know, we, we've talked about all the scenarios and Dirk Cutter coming back to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. There's all these rumblings. They wanted John Gruden. He didn't get the offer he wanted, so they, they stayed with Cutter. And I almost think after that, they said, Dirk, you can stay, but you got to let Todd Monkey call the plays. And I think Dirk Cutter's been stubborn about it not admitting that. That's my take. What's yours? You know, it's a pretty good take, actually, because uh, knowing the Glazers, uh, Glazers as I do, it, I wouldn't put that past them. Um, they do have a tendency to kind of listen to the fan base a little bit um, instead of listening to the people that they should listen to. Um, so that wouldn't surprise me. Um, the thing I'd, I'd warn against, though, and everybody, boy, it's just amazing how quick people forget. Now, the Bucks had a top 10 offense Dirk Cutter's first year. Uh, with this team and he's had four top 10 offenses as a coordinator calling plays it's one of the, it's the reason he got the job okay let's not forget 
right. the reason Dirk Cutter is in the position he's in now is because he is one of the better play designers, uh, offensive architects, and play callers in the NFL. I understand that there's a lot on his plate as a head coach. Um, I don't think the offense struggled last year or the year before because he was calling plays. I think it struggled because the quarterback was hurt, the offensive line wasn't very good, they had no running game, and the defense seldom if ever took the ball away for him. So I think those things all combined to make play calling look bad when, in fact, it wasn't. Now, going forward, they've tried something with Dirk, with uh, Todd Munkin. I think Todd's very good at calling plays. And at the end of the day, here's something another, another thing fans don't understand. The play calls are all listed anyway. When you look at that, and everybody sees it in a game, you look at that, uh, that, 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 uh, that sheet that a coach has uh, that he always holds up in front of his mouth when he's calling the plays, um, you know, it's got all these color blocks on it and everything, right? Um, it's laminated uh, mm-hmm. so it can, you know, withstand the rain, whatever it is. All those blocks are situations in the game. It's third and 10 inside your own 20. It's third and two uh, inside, the other, inside the other team's 20. It's, it's second and eight from your own 42. It's, you know, first and goal uh, in the first quarter, all those things. And, and you know what's on there? You know what those colors are? There's three or four plays there. And all the play caller has to do is pick one or two of those three plays. And if the play caller knows what the, what the coat, what the, I'm sorry, what the team runs best and the, and the quarterback likes most, it usually gets down about one or two plays. So it's not that big a deal. It really isn't. The game plan is worked out days in advance. That's what Monday and Tuesday are all about in the NFL. Game plans are put together. They're tweaked over the course of the week, depending on injuries, what they're running that's working in practice, how everybody's uh, you know, executing the plays, how well the quarterback you know, is really playing at the time, whether the quarterback really likes that play. And then on game day, it's just, it's just a matter of going in there and calling the plays that you've been running in those situations all week anyway. So, and, and you got to remember, there's another team out there. And so, you know, I don't think play calling, I think it's way overrated because it's all done pregame anyway. And you or I could probably call the plays and get it right at least half the time. These guys are calling the plays knowing exactly what's going to work, what the quarterback likes, what we run best, what we've been most effective at, and what our, you know, homework, tape work, uh, video work has shown is going to work best against these teams. And so it's, again, it's choosing one or two or three options. So I don't think it matters. My guess is that there will be a little bit of a combination. My guess is that Todd Munkin will call the plays, yes. and But I think Dirk is going to have final say and the ability to uh, overrule. And if he says, if he sees something or doesn't like a particular call, he's going to say, no, 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 let's, let's go with this. Does this come down to adjustments, though? Because you see it all the time. Offensive coordinators either move onto the field or up in the press box. And Munkin's always up top in the press box. Does this come down to little subtle things? That's great insight, absolutely, on how you develop a game plan, the ins and outs of play calling. But could this just be little things and that maybe Munkin has a better view and they saw something last year and that, you know what, let's take some of the burden off of Dirk just give him another voice upstairs. Could it could it be that at all? It could be. Um, I think Dirk has mostly called him from the ground. It's where he's most comfortable. Um, but it doesn't hurt to have somebody upstairs. But but again, you know who's got the better feel for things? 
it's usually the guy on the ground all because he can talk directly to players and the quarterback in particular, whereas the other, you know, Todd Munkin's going to be having to talk to him, you know, through a headset. And, you know, so again, who is it? it, it, it for some guys, it works better to call him upstairs. Some guys like it better on the ground. Um, you know, what is Dirk like? He likes it on the ground. Maybe Todd Munkin likes being up there. May, again, maybe it's a combination of things. And what do we think is working best here? And don't forget, those adjustments are also made throughout the course of the game. Um, and and that, that may have something to do with it, too. While Dirk is, you know, trying to argue with an official about a flag, uh, yes. Todd Munkin could be talking about, um, you know, hey, let's, let's scrap these plays. He can be talking with the running backs coach, the O-line coach. And, uh, and make some of those decisions that way. So that, that may have something to do with it. But, again, at the end of the day, it's usually a personal field type thing. That's good stuff right there. Todd Munkin today talked about calling plays and, uh, and how much he likes it. I enjoy the ones that work. I mean, I've, I've <laughs> been down that road a number of times, and um, I really enjoy, as our coaches do, putting a plan together. That's the, the Buccaneer plan which has been whenever I've been around Coach Cutter. So it's been our plan. And, you know, it's, there's nothing like anything that we do in life that you decide together that shows up on tape. There is, you know, where you design something, hey, man, we nailed it. And there's nothing more frustrating when, when you don't. That kind of goes with what you just said, Roy. Yeah, it's, he's right. And, and you know, the, here again, I can't emphasize this enough. Everybody thinks that, it's bad play calling when the play doesn't work. Seldom do fans want to take into, a, into account that, oh, yeah, you know what? There's the equal number of guys on the other side of the field who've looked at tape just like our team has and done their studies and done everything else as well. And, oh, by the way, sometimes those guys make plays. That's why we play the game. It doesn't always work. And it's this way in every single sport. You know, in basketball, the same shot that LeBron James took – you know, in the third quarter, may not fall in the fourth quarter for whatever reason. You know, maybe he's got a little more sweat on his hands or something. Or maybe, you know, clutched up a little bit. Maybe the defender got a little bit closer this time. The same pitch that uh, uh, Steven Strasburg throws uh, in the second inning as opposed to the first may, may work a little bit differently. It doesn't have enough bite on it or something, so it doesn't execute as well and it gets hit out of the park. You know, these things, this is sports. This is how it works. There's another, there's another team out there, and sometimes – the plays, they're all designed to work. On paper, they are, they're all supposed to work, but there's another team trying to make sure it doesn't work, and sometimes they win. You ever think of that? Sometimes well, they win. Well, here's another thing, Roy. You see this all the time in football. Somebody calls an outlandish play, and it works. They're a genius. If they don't, they're an idiot. I mean, you see it all the time. Yes, yes. One of the most famous moments in Super Bowl history, you know, with the, with, with the Seahawks and the Patriots and somebody yep. happened to read a play that, that they probably shouldn't have run, you know. But you know what? Everything that the Seahawks saw, you know, in that Super Bowl game down at the down at the Patriots goal line with the game basically over, putting it away, said, "Throw the ball here, throw the slant." Well, somebody who just you know a, a, a what a second or third string defensive back at the time gets in there in a nickel slot and says, "Oh, hey, I think I saw this on tape. I know what they're going to do," and read the play, and that was it. And you know what? If there's another player in his position, maybe it doesn't turn out that way. And lo and behold, it's not one of the dumbest play calls in history. It's the play that sealed the Super Bowl for the Seahawks. So, yes, it's, it's amazing how the slightest thing, sometimes it's something you can control, oftentimes it's not, 
uh, can make a play go right or wrong depending on what side you're on. Well, I'll give you another example, too, is Sean Payton's onside kick. If that doesn't work, he's the biggest clown ever. What What are you doing? Giving Peyton Manning the ball, winning the, the end result, they got a possession added, and they took a possession away from Peyton Manning. So, yeah, you never know. Yeah, that's the thing. You know, here sometimes you just have to take chances. Sometimes you got to co- follow your gut. In fact, you know what? More plays are called by gut than anything, uh, and you know, sometimes plays that aren't even on the script. Our, our, our gut calls, you know, they just say, Hey, you know what? We got to, we got to steal, we got to steal a, a possession here. And that's how you do it. And yeah, you're taking Sometimes you're taking a risk, but you know what? At the end of the day, you probably believe in your players. And if you believe strongly enough that your players can pull something off, go for it. Well, that's a good segue because there's one player and not a lot of fans, not many members of the media believe in and that's rookie running back, Ronald Jones, but Todd Munkin was asked about his faith and his rookie running back today. Ronald's going to be a good player. He's got uh, really good talent. Uh, he's for a, you know, a guy that's not as, as big in stature. He can run between the tackles. He's gotten better at catching the ball. He's a young player. He's, uh, you know, and I'm, what was he three years at USC? So again, he hasn't played a lot of football. So he's going to continue to get better. All right, he has to say those things, Roy. It's a young guy. They've put so much into him. They've invested so much into him. But against the New Orleans Saints, and by the way, this is our prediction show. We're going to give a prediction later on who's going to make the Super Bowl, our wild card NFL pick, and the Bucks record. But if the Bucks win against New Orleans, to me, maybe at the top of the list, besides the, the health of this offensive line, they got to run the football. Yeah, there's no question. Um, you've got to understand with the Buccaneers' offense – even with particularly with Jameis Winston in, but also with uh, uh, with Ryan Fitzpatrick in there, uh, you've got to set up the, the pass with the run. Uh, that's the way it works. You've got to set up play action passes because again, this is this is a little bit this is like football 404, but it's a three vertical system. Uh, Dirk Cutter is always going to have three guys basically going downfield, uh, running no less than some kind of a 12 yard run uh, route. One's going to run a 12-yard route, another one's going to run a 20-yard route, and another guy's going to run, uh, you know, like an eight-yard route or something. Uh, and then in, underneath that, you're going to have a couple of guys, you know, at least one guy running short across the middle on a slant or something like that. Um, in order to hit those guys going downfield, you've got to have time. One way you create time is you run the ball effectively so the play-action fakes stop safeties and stop linebackers from attacking the line of scrimmage. Um, it's really the only way to do it so that you've got a hat on a hat, in essence, uh, on the pass rushers. So that's got to happen. And that, that's, I mean, really, that's, that's why uh, you, a lot of people complain that Dirk Cutter, part of his play calling complaints, is that he doesn't throw enough on first down. I'd like to see him throw a little bit more on first down, too, because it's usually an effective down, uh, just traditionally in the NFL. But the reason he runs a lot on first down is he wants teams to think we're running the ball and consistently. And they need to run it consistently. They need to you know, take defenders out of the secondary, bring them into the box, so that when, when they throw into the second level of the defense, there's one less defender out there uh, on, on their wide receiver, and they've got a better chance of uh, completing the pass. So, yes, the pass, the running game, critical to the Bucks' uh, ability to, to, to move the ball consistently, score points, and obviously win the game. Well, how about this X-Factor, Roy? In prepping for the New Orleans Saints, the Bucks have something – They've never had, in preparation for this team, an indoor facility. Dirk Cutter talked about that today. Yeah, much better. 
much better. Uh, we've actually uh, done a portion of practice inside the last two days, yesterday and again today, and it's really with that in mind. I mean, you guys have been in there, and the, the acoustics, the combination of the acoustics and then how loud we can blast that sound in there, uh, it's, it gives us, uh, you know, it's at least in our minds, we feel like we're, we're getting work at it. Of course, they're playing indoors in the New Orleans, Louisiana Superdome, which is always a loud place. And they have an indoor facility, something the Bucks haven't had in their entire history. So is that an advantage at all, Roy? Yeah, I think it is. Well, you know, I won't say it's an advantage, but I think it's going to help the Buccaneers. Um, it doesn't give them an advantage over the Saints because the Saints are used to that. But right. it's something new that the Bucks can prepare with for this particular game and for Atlanta, any other dome game that they might play that they haven't had before. So I've got to think that this helps them a little bit. Does it give them an advantage? No, not in my opinion. But it gives them something. It gives them another tool in the box throughout the week of preparation that they haven't had before. And it gives them an opportunity to prepare uh, better for something that they have no previously never had a chance to really prepare for, at least not the right way. So um, I think it's going to help them a little bit. It should. Um, maybe you see a few less uh, uh, illegal motion penalties or, or, or false starts on the offense. Maybe you see a few less um, offsides calls on the defense as a result of this. Uh, anything that allows you to uh, uh, maintain a possession, uh, keep the ball in your hands, uh, you know, get a first down is going to make you a better team on Sunday, and I think this, this has an opportunity to do that for them. One thing they've uh, been preparing for for years is quarterback Drew Brees. Uh, Brees, as I mentioned earlier, has uh, beaten the Bucks more than any quarterback in NFL history. In his uh, highest quarterback rating last season was against the Bucks. We've chronicled how bad the Bucks' defense was a year ago. They've made so many upgrades this offseason with Jason Pierre-Paul, Bo Allen, Vinny Curry, you know, drafted Vita Vea, who looks like he obviously won't play in this game. The secondary, they've added some young stars. Drew Brees talked about the revamp Bucks defense this week. Listen, they're 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 a very good defense, and um, as you look at as you look at them, especially you know down the stretch last year, you know, every game they played was close, you know, um, and unfortunately, you know, for them, they they fell short in some of those. But man, they're they were right there at the end of a lot of those games, and so we know how competitive this team is, regardless of what their record said last year. I know that they're a prideful group. They've got a really they've got a lot of really good players on defense. They went out and made some. Pretty significant moves, you know, through free agency in the draft, um, D line, secondary, that kind of thing. So, and li that linebacking core is, is, is as good as there is um, in the league, in my opinion. So, um, it's going to be a tough, tough test for sure. Now, Roy, I don't know if uh, if you put them, uh, if they walked across the street, if Drew Brees would know what MJ Stewart or Carlton Davis look like. I know he does a lot of film study, but that's with helmets on. But he knows who Gerald McCoy is, and he's a guy that obviously he's known for years. And respects. Here's Breeze on McCoy. You know, I trained with uh, with Gerald half for you know the last feels like ten years um, out in San Diego, and he's uh, man, he's a workhorse. You know, he um, he's a guy who's got a real high motor. You know, all the time, whether it's you know, I mean, obviously, I think he gets a lot of notoriety as being a pass rusher. You know, lots of sacks, lots of you know tackles for loss and such. You know, throughout the season, but man, he's a force to be reckoned with. I think. Uh, in the run game and at all times, you know, he's just just one of those guys that, you know, is an elite player at his position, you know, amongst other guys in the league. And so um, always a guy you got to have a plan for. You've covered a lot of games with the Bucks against Drew Brees, and you've seen a lot of uh, uh, Drew Brees highlights, Roy. But this is a different Drew Brees to me 
than in recent years because he doesn't have to put up the numbers because he has the running game. The defense is better, so he doesn't typically have to put up as many points as he did in, in past years, especially last season. How do you see all of this breaking down with Breeze and, and what's going to be the key with him? Uh, you know, I think the Bucks have to throw something different at Drew Brees. They've got to they've they've got to throw a, a less zone at him, in my opinion, because he knows where the holes are in the zones. I mean, he's figured out where where all the you know, all the breaks are, where all the windows are, and he's exploited those windows for years against them. I think they've got to try something different. I think the game plan has to be more man-on-man, more stunting. Um, As much as Gerald McCoy doesn't like that, I think they just got to throw something completely different at Drew Brees that they've never done before. And if they don't, uh, you know, I fear they're going to be chasing the game all day, the Buccaneers, because, look, it's nothing for Brees to put up, you know, 28, 30 points. Um, It's going to be something for the Buccaneers to put up 28 or 30 points with Ryan Fitzpatrick at quarterback. More than likely, I mean, more than likely, um, he's certainly capable. He's got the weaponry, but uh, you know, it's a, I'd say that's an improved Saints defense that they're facing too. So I, I think the key here for the Buccaneers facing Drew Brees, you've got to throw something at him he hasn't seen from you. It may be something he's seen before, but they've got to throw something at him that he has not seen from the Buccaneers. Uh, just to at, at the very least, um, you know, get him to spin his wheels a little bit maybe early on the first quarter. If the Bucs can hold on through the first quarter, first half, keep it close within a score, they've got a chance to win the game. All right, let's get to our predictions. And uh, before we bring Justin in, Roy, what's your prediction on this game on Sunday? And and how do you feel about the tempo of this game? How is it going to be? You know, look, I've seen a very impressive Buccaneers team through training camp preseason. I liked everything that their first and second unit did. Um, I think the Saints took advantage of some real great opportunities last year. Uh, and took advantage of their schedule. I don't know if they were as good as their record indicates, um, and I think they're beatable. But at the end of the day, I, I, I think this is something like a 28-24 Saints victory over the Buccaneers. Um, it, obviously, I'd like to see it go the other way, uh, but I, I believe this. I believe it's about a 28-24 victory for the Saints. They're going to be just a tad better than the Bucs, and I think it's probably the home field advantage that gives that gives them that edge. You know, traditionally, Sean Payton and Drew Brees have had slow starts. In fact, they haven't won a season-opening game since 2013. And I think for a young football team that may be – you could say it's, it's natural to be complacent after the, the young football team had such a great year. They're going to hear about this slow start all week, and I think that's going to hurt the Bucs. I think this, this game is actually close for a half – but I think the Saints pull away in the second half because I think the defense is so much better. I'm interested to see the Saints receivers, though, because you know they don't have the Brandon Cooks, the Willie Sneeds, the Marcus Colsons, the Lance Moores. They have Michael Thomas, who's one of the best in the league, but they have Cameron Meredith coming off an injury with the Bears and uh, Triquan, uh, the young guy. I'm, I'm losing his – what's the guy from UCF? Traquan um, Smith. Traquan Smith. Thank you, Justin. Voice of Reason helped me out again. Those are kind of wild cards a little bit. We had Nick Underhill with the New Orleans Advocate – on earlier this week, and you know he said that it could be a strength for this team, but I think it's going to be a little while for those guys to build some chemistry. I'm thinking 31-23 Saints. I think it's close for a half, maybe three quarters, and the Saints pull away. All right, let's bring Justin in here. Time for predictions. Finally, it's the regular season, uh, kicking off Thursday night, actually, uh, 
tonight as we tape this. But let's go to Roy first and then Justin and then myself. Roy, what's the Bucks record this year? You know, I've got a feeling this team's good enough to be nine and seven. Um, but I think some of the injuries uh, are going to already that they're dealing with. No yeah. Vita Vea, who I think was going to be a, a major impact player for them. Uh, no Mitch Unrein, which I think hurts their uh, – it's two guys right there that hurts their uh, their game plan already for the defensive line rotation. Um, the, just the need to have to rely a little bit too much, I think, on rookie defensive backs is going to hurt them. I think the offense is going to be fine. I think the kicker is going to be fine. I just think the defense is still going to be a little bit short. I, I was, I, I've said nine and seven consistently, but right now my gut's telling me they're an eight and eight football team. Justin, what do you think? Well, I'm, I'm right there with Roy. I see eight and eight. I think they're going to play everyone hard. I actually see them shock and upsetting some teams. I could see them beating Philadelphia next week, but uh, I think eight and eight is probably the best they're going to do. I'm going to go seven and nine, guys. And, Roy, you really took the words out of my mouth. I, I feel good about this football team in a lot of ways. I'll be so interested to see how Ryan Fitzpatrick does in these first three games because if the Bucks could – I think if they could even win one game, get Jameis back. And, 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 and I'm already saying a lot of ifs, and that's one problem with this football team. There's too many ifs. And then you throw on the injuries on the D-line, maybe the uncertainty of Donovan Smith in the opener, the uncertainty in the secondary. When you have that many question marks on a football team – it's, it's, it's hard to, from in my eyes, to say they're going to be a playoff team or have a winning record this year. So I'm going 7-9, and nine, which is a shame because they have so many weapons on offense and they've had so many great additions in this offseason. Okay, before we get to our Super Bowl predictions, out of uh, we'll go Roy first. Can you give me a wild card prediction in the NFL this year? Something that will happen maybe nobody expects. The Oakland Raiders have a sub-500 record. <laughs> is, is that is that something nobody expects uh, i don't think that's a shocker well you know what a couple of years ago they were favorites to to make i mean they were kind of a chic super bowl pick a couple of years they ago were. and yeah hey you don't add john gruden thinking we're rebuilding uh right uh, you know uh unless you're building with old bricks which is what he's doing look i already <laughs> think john gruden has surprised a lot of people, although he shouldn't be, should, no one should be surprised at what he's done. Not just getting rid of Khalil Mack, but he's got the oldest roster in the NFL. Those of us that covered him aren't surprised by that, simply because we know he likes old players. Uh, he wants veterans who can understand his scheme. I think he's going to have uh, his quarterback's head swimming by, it's uh, probably swimming already. Um, I just think, I just don't think it's going to work out well. I think that's going to be one of the bigger disappointments in the league. Justin, what's your wild card in the NFL this year? I think the Packers are just going to miss getting a wild card spot. Wow. Wow. I, are I th- we recording this? I think they're a couple injuries away from just falling apart. I mean, oh. you know, Jimmy Graham has struggled with injuries. If one of their yeah. wide receivers goes down, I mean, look what happened. You know, if Aaron Rodgers is out, that team's a whole different team. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah, we saw that last year for sure. Here's mine, guys. I think the Patriots run finally ends. I think they win the division because that division's brutal. Um, they, they dominate that division. I think they lose, though, in the first round of uh, whoever they play in the playoffs. I think the Patriots, uh, I think if, if the days of uh, losing so many guys and Belichick doing his magic with a patchwork defense, 
I just see it ending. That's uh, my two cents on the wild That's card. Okay. Strong. That's pretty strong. Yeah. They, I said they make the playoffs. They just lose early. So, and it shows how high of a bar they've set that that's a disappointment for them. Okay, who's your Super Bowl, Roy Cummings? Uh, I don't think Justin's going to like this. Uh, <laughs> I got the Packers. <laughs> <laughs> I know he's not a fan of that one. And uh, he's going to – I don't I don't believe in the quarterback, but I think defense is going to reign in the AFC, and I've got him facing the Houston Texans. Wow. I'm going to say you stole some of my thunder, but let's go to Justin. All right. I'm going to go with Rams for the NFC. And this one might be an upset, but I'm going to go with the Chargers for the AFC. I like that, actually. I like that. See, no, no Patriot love in this podcast. No. Yeah, you, no. you convinced us they're out in the first, in, uh, yeah, right. in the first round. Thanks for listening to me. You know, it's no fun to pick the Patriots, is it? I mean, that's just, no, I mean, that's like no saying fun. Clemson and Alabama are going to play for a national title. Yeah, right. Really going on in love. Roy, I have the Falcons and the Texans in the Super Bowl. And oh. we didn't talk before the show. And I think the Falcons, people forget how talented this football team. I like the moves they've made um, since losing that Super Bowl. I think Steve Skarski, I always have trouble saying his name. Steve Skarsian. We'll say it for you. Exactly. Um, I think he's going to get more used to Matt Ryan, what he does well, how he can help Matt Ryan. And I think – the Falcons will be the first team ever to win a Super Bowl in their own stadium because it's in Atlanta this year. Wow. Yeah. Look at you. Yeah. Yeah. And, but I do like Deshaun Watson, by the way, and I love the defense. That Deshaun Watson kid, there's something about him. And here's the thing. Here's how special I think Deshaun Watson is. I saw a sample size last year. I know it was a small one, but if he would have kept going, he would have been the rookie of the year. Plus, I don't know if Clemson will ever win another national title. I think he was that kind of a once-in-a-generational college player. That He made Dab- Dabo Sweeney a lot of money. Dabo Sweeney's kept the train rolling at Clemson. But he almost beat Alabama single-handedly twice in college in a national t- championship game. He did it once, and he almost did it twice. And you could make a case that's a pro defense in college. So Deshaun Watson, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of him. So those are our predictions. We have them on tape. And you can rip us on PeterPyrus.com and, and weigh in on social media as well. Please do. But we have, we have rip us. <laughs> we, have, we have thick skin. Uh, but uh, we got to wrap up the show. And the only way we know how, Justin. All right. Here we go. Here we go. Three and out. Three questions to Roy Cummings. And we are out of here. Okay. Number one, my friend, throwing a lot at you in this podcast, and you've hit them all out of the park. Okay, jerseys. If you were uh, going to buy a jersey for maybe a 10-year-old that he's going to have for, for a few years, and it's a Buccaneer jersey, a lot of stars on this team, who would you buy? What player? James Winston. Really? Yeah. Really? Yeah. No hesitation. No hesitation. Face of the franchise, uh, he is going to be a Pro Bowl player. He's going to earn it, not just be a, a guy that got on because uh, somebody else didn't want to play. Uh, wow. He is going to uh, uh, completely justify the Buccaneers' decision to pick him first overall uh, in, in, in short order. Some, in the next year and a half, uh, the, the commentary on Jameis Winston will be completely different than it is right now. There's a lot of disappointment, a lot of questions about him. 
by the beginning of the 2020 season, he, uh, he, he could have his face on the Madden game. Wow. No hesitation. You got to respect that take. I was thinking actually OJ Howard. I, I think OJ Howard is going to be a, you know, just kind of one of those guys that's going to like Gronk that's going to change that position. You haven't seen many guys with his size, his speed, and his athletic ability. I was also thinking Mike Evans too, but I wasn't thinking Jameis. So good stuff from you. All right. Um, our second question, our three and out. The Saints have uh, had kind of a weird history before Sean Payton. It was pretty, pretty bad, actually. Not a lot of playoff appearances, not a lot of marquee players. Here you go, Roy. Besides Drew Brees, because that would be the easiest answer. Who's the best Saint of all time besides Drew Brees? Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> you can tell we don't go over this in our uh, pre-show meeting. Um, how about Archie Manning? Okay. Okay. What do you think, Justin? Justin's a New Orleans guy. That's a tough one. I I don't know if it'd be someone from the Dome Patrol or uh, Deuce McAllister, Marcus Colston. That's tough. I'm going to go. You know who I'm going to go with? Yeah, Deuce McAllister. I think Deuce McAllister, if he would have stayed healthy, could have been a Hall of Famer. Can't argue with that. I agree. Um. I'm going to go Morton Anderson. He has the most points of any oh, player in NFL history. That's a good one. Yeah. That tells yeah. you something about the Saints that you have to pick a kicker, though. Uh. <laughs> that, was, that was on the tee, my friend, and you knocked it out of the park. <laughs> All right, our last one in our three and out. Burt Reynolds passed away today. Uh, sorry. So so sorry to hear it. 82 years old and, uh, you know, uh, a former football player. Uh, played at Florida State and was uh, roommates with Lee Corso back in his Florida State days. Mm-hmm. If may uh, didn't know that, uh, Roy Cummings. I usually ask you, you know, kind of a, a fun question, but I'm going to keep it fun, even though we're we're going to miss Burt Reynolds. What's your favorite Burt Reynolds movie of all time? Boogie Nights. Oh, that's what I said too. Well, you're, you're, look, you won an Academy Award, and he should have. If you haven't seen Boogie Nights, look, it, it's not for everybody. But at the end of the day, that movie gets better. Every time you watch it, it's one of those movies. It's one of those movies, you, you, if you pick it up 20 minutes into it, an hour and a half into it, you're watching it the rest of the way. And if you, if you ever get the chance, watch the director's cut. It's a clinic on filmmaking. It is outstanding. I 100% you are agree with everything you said. Thank you, Justin. <laughs> and Justin, Justin said that before uh, – because sometimes I'll, I'll cue him in on what I'm going to ask you, but Justin said it without any hesitation too, didn't you? I did. Great movie. And, and you know, and Burt Reynolds made a lot of fun movies: Smokey and the Bandit, Gator, uh, right. Longest Yard. He, you know, you, you can go down the list. He did a lot of good, fun stuff. Uh, pretty versatile actor. But at the end of the day, nothing was better than that movie. He, he looked. He made that movie, and a lot. You know, you can say that for a lot of people in that movie. But he was. He was just special in that movie. He really that was his best role. Yeah. So no love, no love for Hooper, huh? No yeah. love at all. Yeah, no, no love for Hooper. <laughs> well, that's, that's good stuff out of you. Man, I learned something about Roy every week. Like Justin's Justin's a little younger, so I can see Boogie Nights, but you know, Mark Wahlberg really benefited from that movie too. Yeah, sure did. Yeah. A lot of stars, a lot of big stars in that. Well, now they're big stars. I mean, people know them now, but they didn't know them then. Right. No, no doubt about it. Man, we touched them all on this podcast. Uh, Roy, we'll break this game down. Uh, 
man, it's getting close. It's getting exciting. I'm tired of talking about it. Let's finally see some real football, but I uh, really appreciate your time. Uh, I'm glad to do it. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, uh, tired of talking about it. Can't wait to see it. And let's start getting a real uh, read on what this football team is going to be like this year. Well, Justin, uh, thanks for getting all the sound and making this possible. Uh, we'll uh, see how our predictions uh, turn out next week. Give us a final score, Justin. I'm writing down Roy's and I'm writing down mine. What's your final score? Well, mine isn't as high as y'all's. I, I think, look, I, I could see this potentially being a trap game for the Saints, but I think they're going to pull it off. I think it's going to be tight. 24-20 is what I'm saying. Okay, How about that? Trap game. Something I hadn't thought about, but I, I think Justin's on to something here. Why, do, why does my gut right now tell me that when we do this podcast next week after the game, that we're going to be talking about Justin nailing it? As a trap game for the Saints. Biggest underdog in the NFL this week are Tampa Bay Buccaneers. That's over nine points. So I don't know if the young bucks for the Saints get big heads. We'll find out in a couple days in the Big Easy. We'll see how easy it is for the Saints coming up. Well, listen, I'd like to thank Justin Thomas. I'd like to thank Roy Cummings. I'd like to thank our title sponsors, House of Brews and Sea Dog Brewing Company. Please subscribe to pewterpires.com, guys. We're giving you great content every week if you're a Bucks fan, and we have a lot of fun segments. I talked to MJ Stewart this week. We're going to have a fun rookie diary with him every week. Subscribe. It's free. Not much in life is free, but pewterpires.com is. But that is another rendition of a few extra bucks. Thanks for uh, logging on, and uh, we'll talk to you soon.